Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. It's a beautiful day in the name. Sorry. It's the starting of a show, and that just, like, I'm thinking... I think you've done that before. Have I done that? Yeah, well, yeah, it wouldn't surprise Mr. me because it just popped into my brain. Yes. <laughs> it is a beautiful day. I like hear Spring that piano. Time. Do you hear that tinkly piano? Of course. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> beautiful. Yes, it is a beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this episode that we're about to record. And thank and... you to those who submitted your questions. That's right. Thank you. We have chosen three. And that, actually, that's a lie. We have not chosen three. I have. You have. That's right. You are the screener of the questions. You'll be surprised. Can't wait. Um, just recently, it's springtime and it's season uh, a beginning of kind of the the wedding season. I don't know if any of our listeners are getting married. I'm sure some of you are. Um, we're going to weddings, but um, I just experienced recently going to a bridal shower for the daughter of some dear friends of ours, and um, it's a it's a it's worthy of having special gatherings. The significance of uh, this decision to become married to wed our lives to someone else and i i think it's wonderful and i had a particular experience of just being blessed by seeing friends that i don't often see who you know we are common you know, have this friendship in common so we're together um to celebrate this bridal shower how fruitful that is for our lives of faith mm. to be built up by the the faith of others, the gift of others, um, to just share our story, where we are right now in our journey with the Lord, with others who know us and, and have their story to share back. Beautiful gift. And uh, we're so grateful to be in this stage of life where our friends' children are getting married and we get to just look back on the years of our friendship with the parents and of seeing their children grow and enter into this um, beautiful vocation. So it's been a, a great blessing. I, I really am so grateful for that time. It is a time of reflection that our friends' children are getting married, yes. friends we've known for years and known their children since they were little, and that you and I have children who are old enough to be married. None That's of them right. are as of yet. Yeah. But who knows what might be happening in our children's lives in the next months and years. There's some interesting love in the air, shall we say. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, yeah. I, I, it causes me to reflect on the whole reality of just life and aging and the possibility of being a grandfather like what how and my my brother as you know right as we're recording this yeah his daughter is having his first she's, grandchild she's in labor now she's in labor as we are recording right and i'm thinking wait a minute how is my brother old enough to be a grandfather that means i'm old enough to be a grandfather crazy I'm just remembering since you brought that up that we talked on our podcast about going to her wedding a year and a half ago. Oh, right. Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So God is good blessing them with 
life and growing their family. Yes. By the time this podcast airs, her baby will have been born. But hey, everything's out of space and time and prayers can be applied backwards. So pray for my niece's um, labor and pray for that newborn baby. That's right. Do you have any updates for us about work of the TOB Institute? I do have an update. I mentioned this kind of just in passing at the end of our last episode, but I want to say more about it right now. We are going through some growing pains at the Institute. We are having to say no to so many invitations and worthy projects because we have a small staff and we have limited time and resources and energy. We have dioceses approaching us, asking us for help in a kind of big way. And we want to do it. We want to do it. And we're not able to because of limited resources. So I want to make an appeal to our faithful listeners. If you are not already a, a patron of the Theology of the Body Institute, would you please prayerfully consider becoming a patron? We offer all kinds of benefits for our patrons, which you can learn about by clicking the link. But even beyond the benefits that we offer you, uh, which are substantial, we benefit by you offering your financial support to our mission. Uh, Patronage starts at just $10 a month. We have some people who offer us 50 or 100 or 200 or some people who are well blessed with financial resources offer us $500 a month. Wherever you fall on that scale, uh, if it's only $10 a month, that goes a long way. We're at a place and in a stage of our growth as a ministry where we are, we are really needing to raise capital to fulfill the requests we're getting, to fulfill the mission we've been given and we need the help. I just need to put it out there and say it plainly. We need the help of those who believe in what we're doing. So our podcasters are in our inner circle. Our podcasters, not no. our podcasters, our podcast listeners right. are in the inner circle of people who believe in what we're doing. So we, we need to appeal to you. Would you please, if you're feeling that nudge, if you want to help us out, if you want to see this work grow, if you want to see more and more people be blessed as you have been blessed by the work that we do, could you please consider becoming a patron? And if you're already a patron, maybe when you signed up a couple years ago, maybe $10 was all you could afford. Are you able to afford 20 now or 40 or 50 or 100 now? Um, just prayerfully consider that. Yes. And if you're able, that would, man, that would help us out. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let me start with a question from a patron. This is from an anonymous patron. I'm a young adult man discerning marriage. In my intentional discernment, I find that in my longing for marriage, there's a much more profound desire to be a husband than to be a father. Mm. What I mean by that is that whenever I ponder marriage, I sense that my deepest desire is to serve and lay down my life for my bride not so much for fatherhood. That being said, I do have the longing to be a father. It's just not as strong as the longing to be a husband. Is that normal? I noticed that for many women, the desire for motherhood comes very naturally. 
Should fatherhood come as naturally to men too? Or is this something that comes about as children start to come in a marriage? Brother, I just commend you for your honesty. I love your question. And I just want to affirm, I think what you're feeling is very normal for men to feel. You are describing almost precisely my own sentiments when I was young and discerning my vocation and hoping one day to be married. The, the compelling desire, what was on the forefront of my mind, my heart, my yearning, was I wanted to love a woman. I wanted to learn really and truly what it meant to love a woman, to lay down my life for her, to, to be a man in her life that was a, a presence that blessed and affirmed her. That was such a deep desire in me. Mm, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, that's you, isn't it? It is. I was, I was so, so funny. You said that. I was like <laughs> zoomed back to. Oh, it happened because in my mind. <laughs> yeah, you're back. In before. my mind, as I was answering the question, I was like 24 years old, sure. or 25, three years old, thinking through this stuff. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it has happened. Thank you, Lord. Um, not that it has happened that I have been such the awesome husband that's that I right. hoped and wanted to be, <laughs> but it has been a learning journey, and what has been integral to that learning journey. I love your smile. You're just, my wife's smiling at me, buddy. <laughs> I love your smile at me. Thank you. What has been integral to that journey of learning to love you is discovering, not that it's a surprise, but that children are the natural, beautiful fruit of learning to love you. That's how it works. Hmm. And embracing the fruit of our love has been my doorway to loving being a father. I think that's pretty common for men. Uh, just as I think it's pretty common for women that often, not exclusively, but often the driving force for marriage is I want to be a mom. Not exclusively, but I see that it's more the case that women have a driving force for motherhood than the men have a driving force for fatherhood. And I think there's a complementarity that's a good thing there, mm -hmm. that men learn from women the love of being a parent, and women can learn from men more what it means to love being a spouse. Mm. Uh, again, I don't want to make some blanket statement that that's the way it always is. But I, there's a general pattern that in my experience of working with both men and women over the years, I've seen that as a, as a general pattern. Um, so brother, I think, I think what you're feeling is very normal. And I think what you can trust, and this has been my experience, if you trust in that desire to want to be a husband, it will organically and beautifully lead you to loving being a father. Just the other night, this this was something I said to you, Wendy. We were at the grocery store, and we we got a call from our kids that they were later than they thought they were going to be and needing to be picked up. Mm -hmm. And the initial thought is, oh, man, that's an inconvenience. 
But I was looking right at you as I was having that thought, and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's a contradiction here. Like, I'm looking at you, I'm loving you, and part of loving you is loving our kids. And part of loving our kids is accepting that they're going to be out later than we wanted them to be, and we have to go pick them up, and now we're going to be out later too. But that's what I signed up for when I said I wanted to love you. Mm. Uh, it was it was organic to me that I was loving you more by accepting that sacrifice, which was a tiny sacrifice, let's be real. But nonetheless, I felt it. Um, but it was all, I want to embrace this. I want to say yes this, because my <laughs> wife's smiling at me and I love her. And loving our kids is loving you because it's all to kind of works together. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was helpful for me. And I think this um, listener who asked this question, um, there's a, there's a beautiful, oh my goodness, that you're discerning marriage, that you are desiring to have your life in line with God's vision for our human life. Like being a gift is so beautiful. Just pause for a minute. Think of the culture in which we live. Mm. What is it telling men they should be seeking? None of this. Yeah, yeah. So you are hearing from the Holy Spirit. You are in touch with the heart of God. And if we can just pause and be grateful for that, if if all the um, women who are in dating relationships can pause and be grateful for a man who's seeking the Lord and mm. seeking goodness, um, seeking goodness in relation to us as women and in goodness in relation to children, not that any of us is perfect, but thank you, Lord, for the seeking and the desiring. You put that desire in our hearts, and you're faithful, Lord. If we keep, stay open to your grace, you're faithful to continue that work to transform us, to enable us, like you, a very experienced father, to open to grace, to live every everyday sacrifices with a certain joy, with a certain peace of being where you're meant to be and fulfilling your mission in even these tiny little ways. So yeah, yeah. it's and beautiful. You're, you're absolutely right. He's following the spirit. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me yes. of that Scottish woman I met recently. Who oh, said, did I already tell the story? On no, the I don't think so. Yeah, I met this Scottish woman uh, at a talk of mine and, and she said, Christopher, I can tell you're following the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> You love the way she said that. I love it. I love it. So I can tell this guy's following the spirit. <laughs> Amen. Our next question is also from an anonymous listener. Just a like a little preview for you guys. All the questions are from anonymous listeners oh. today. So it's the anonymous podcast. The anonymous anonymous podcast. questioner podcast. Okay. Okay. So this one says, I want to thank you both for this awesome podcast and the truth you speak into the lives of so many. I'm a young Catholic woman who's single. I recently had the privilege of meeting a holy Catholic man to whom I'm very attracted. However, whoop, he, whoop, whoop. <laughs> he's not in a place to begin a relationship and likely does not have the same feeling of attraction towards me. I thought it was listen, going in such a beautiful direction. Listen, well, maybe it, it still is. It, that's the point. Okay. It is. Okay. The Lord has been taking me through a journey of truly loving him and allowing myself to love him in and through praying for oh, his good. Wow, that is beautiful. Through your whoop, podcast, whoop. I've come to realize these desires 
are holy. Yes. And that when they're properly oriented, they can be the door to loving as Christ loves. Mm. All of this having been said, I have experienced sexually explicit dreams about this young mm. man. Mm. My subconscious conjuring up images that I've never actually thought of during the day. And they leave me feeling dirty, ashamed, oh. and very unholy. Oh, oh. Can you shed any light on this? Why does the Lord allow us to experience such dreams when I am truly striving to will the good of the other? Oh, bless you, dear listener. Thank you. Thank you for putting this out in the light. Thank you for entrusting this question and your heart to us here. I, I just want to reverence your person and reverence your heart and reverence your desires and reverence what's going on. And I really feel entrusted with a treasure here. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I might be able to give more specific counsel if I knew the specific details of these dreams, which, you know, you haven't shared and might not be appropriate in this format. But let me say this, I, I work through my dreams, I have very vivid dreams, and oftentimes they're of a sexual nature, and I always journal them out, uh, pray through them, bring them to my spiritual director, and I was, I was so relieved when I started seeing my spiritual director and I started sharing dreams with him, this was almost 20 years ago, that he said, Christopher, don't read your sec the sexual imagery literally. Like, I'll give one example. I had a dream uh, of a woman that she, she had a symbolic value in my life as uh, forgive the expression, but she was dorky. And that word means something in my own history, because um, my brother used to call me a dork all the time as a kid, and it's a wound in my heart. And I was trained to think there are people who are cool and there are people who are dorks. And this woman fell in the dork column. Well, I had, this was actually a woman I knew, right? This was years ago. This is a woman I knew. She, in my mind, fell in the dork column. I had this dream that she desperately wanted to have sexual intercourse with me. And I was refusing, and she was, like, all about it. And I took this dream to prayer, and I took this dream to my spiritual director, and he was the one who shone the light for me, saying, Christopher, don't take the sexual imagery literally. That woman who you've considered a, quote, dork, that's a symbol of your own rejected heart. There are places in your heart that are feel rejected, and those places in your heart are desperately desiring to be reunited with you. You've shut them down, you've tossed them aside, you've rejected parts of yourself. That is a That sexual dream is a, an image of your soul. It's like a, a word picture from your own soul revealing a deep and even holy yearning. See, if I took that dream literally, it, it would be like this woman wanted to commit adultery with me, and, and you know, that would be taking at that level. No, no, no. I would invite you to look at the symbolic meaning of the dream. 
right? They're, these are symbols. What Sexual symbolism is so profound. It is so powerful. I, I mean, if I, if, if I took the symbols in my sexual dreams literally, oh my gosh, I, goodness gracious. But when, I, when I've learned with the help of my spiritual director to, to read the symbols, it becomes a window to my soul, a window to mm. deep spiritual mysteries. That's the whole principle of theology of the body. Now, that said, can certainly be the case, especially if you are like on a steady diet of pornography, and I'm not accusing this person of being, but we know there are plenty of people who are on a steady diet of pornography, and their sexual dreams are really just like a reliving of the pornography that they've exposed themselves to. Even there, even there, the sexual symbolism is revelatory of something you're looking for in your soul. Um, but there are added complications here. It might not just be so plain and simple. You know, there are perversions here that might your dream life might be fostering. So I'm not trying to sanctify every single sexual imagery image we have in a dream, but I am trying to point out that sexual dreams are a window into deep mysteries of the soul. And I would invite you, um, you know, you said when you have these dreams, you feel dirty or ashamed. Bring those dreams to the light with Jesus. He's not ashamed. He's not going to accuse you of being dirty. He's not going to condemn you or shame you. Jesus knows full well what is in your heart, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? It's not that it's all great. But he knows that even what's twisted up, well, guess what? It's precisely that. It's twisted up. It's something good that's gotten twisted. And Jesus can untwist it and show you the genuine good underneath what might be some disordered desire. It might be that. It might not even be a disordered desire. You, your heart just might be in a dream state expressing with these images the love, the genuine love that you feel in your heart for him. That's possible. Um, the point here, it's a dangerous thing to take your sexual dreams literally. Mm -hmm. Take them to prayer and ask the Lord to illuminate a more spiritual reading of the symbols of your dreams. And oftentimes, especially with sexual dreams, oftentimes the symbols have to do with a desire for a reintegration or a reunion of fractured parts of ourselves. That interpretive key to sexual dreams has helped me tremendously. Yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll leave it there for now. Yeah, I think that's all wise counsel um, for um, all of us to understand that our dreams can be revealing things about our own hearts and the the characters, the, the other people in the dreams may not be so meaningful for their, who they really are, but for what they have meant right. to us right. and That's to our That's a key hearts. to reading the symbol what yeah. that you just gave us there, yeah. Yeah. So I think that is very helpful. Um, and I think uh, I just want to reaffirm also just the, the goodness of the way that um, in your will and in your awake imagination, you are 
um, really seeking to be purified, to experience a joy of, of a genuine willing the good of this man and giving thanks to the Lord for yeah, the goodness and the um, blessing of knowing him. And I think there nothing bad can come from that. Only good can come from the ongoing prayerful desire for that man's true good. Um, I have experienced that um, particularly in relation with you, my love, that when I found you so very attractive and there wasn't anything coming the other way for about three years right other than friendship that was fine and and happy but it wasn't more than that um there was so much fruit born in my heart in just thanking the lord for you and recognizing when i was maybe grasping at what i hoped for and and noticing that and choosing to release to keep the lord front and center in my heart and to pray for you for what um what god's plan is for your mm-hmm. life and the the great good that can come only from being really truly desiring his will for myself and for you it was an awesome way to live through that stage of singlehood and longing you know it really was it was it was, it was a gift awesome for me. truly awesome in the true sense of that word like inspired awe in me as i came to know you more wendy and realized i was the object of such great disinterested tenderness in your heart such a you d- truly desired my good and i felt it and man did that awaken my heart and excite me <laughs> to want to learn how to love you back Woo! <laughs> praise the lord what we're doing <laughs> indeed you ready for another question yeah but now i have to explain that's what we're doing oh that's comment. right you just cut kind of, you know i what? just said that night we we went to Scotland. Let's go to Ireland right, now. That's right. We went to Scotland on this podcast. <laughs> we're going to Ireland. <laughs> this is a funny story. Uh, this is what we're doing coming. I was in Ireland years ago uh, going through security at the airport. And these security people, God bless them. They, they have a tough, thankless, unrewarding job. And I just try to cheer them up. I've just been in the habit of doing this for years where I say... I walk past a security guy at the security airport place or what, you know, what the, in America, we call it the TSA, but this was in Ireland. And I said, I said, Hey, thanks for keeping us safe. And his response was, what we're doing. <laughs> what we're doing. And that's just become a thing we that's say That's become now. a thing we say that's now. Right. Yes. It's what we're doing. Just letting you in to a little West family humor. Next question from Third anonymous listener. It's all right if you all want to be anonymous. Absolutely, it's all right. But uh, if you want us to answer you by name and you know that we're answering your question, you give your name. Okay. Anonymous questioner says, if you were to design a Theology of the Body set of mass readings for a Sunday mass, what would they be and why? The request is for Old Testament, Psalm, New Testament, and Gospel. 
Can I say something while you think for a moment? Because maybe you want to I have two answers to the question, but let's hear what you want to say. What I was going to say is that... Is this a first, that you go first? Well, I... No, but it's rare. But what I was going to say is that, on the one hand, the theology of the body itself is based so intimately on some very specific readings that you could just read theology of the body and plug those in. But I feel like it would be more interesting, perhaps you want to acknowledge those, but also to think about, are there other favorites that have you have experienced over time that you would love to see? Wow. I I, I could write a whole book about (laughs) that. In fact, I've written multiple books about this. (laughs) I know. Um, And, there's so many different angles to to take on answering this question. What I want to say first is every reading that we hear in the liturgy, right? And we have three cycles of readings, cycle A, B, and C. We have a three-year pattern that gets repeated where mm-hmm. we get through in the liturgical readings the pretty much the gist of the whole Bible. There are certain sections not in there, but we get we get the whole story. If we're paying attention over those three years, we mm-hmm. get the whole, pretty much the whole Bible. Theology of the body is a pair of glasses that we can put on to read the whole Bible. Right? JP2 himself says that what we learn in the theology of the body concerns the whole Bible, the whole message, the whole teaching of scriptures, of the scriptures. So there's no reading properly understood that is not a TOB reading, because what is the TOB? The theology of the body is the mystery of the Word made flesh. Mm-hmm. It's the mystery of incarnation. And the whole Bible is about the Incarnation. Absolutely everything in it points to, refers to, the Word made flesh. That's what the Bible is. So I I wanted to say that first. I'll also approach it from this angle. I I love when I'm reading a reading and all of a sudden I'm like, oh gosh, I never saw that before. And I'm seeing it newly with fresh eyes because of my own deepened understanding of the theology of the body. Like this, the, the theology of the body, as I said, is, is entering into the mystery of the Incarnation, and there is no end to that mystery. You can never say, I get it now, I've exhausted it now. There's no end. The mystery is an eternal and infinite mystery, so there's always more. So this is why the Scripture can pop open in new ways, like, oh my gosh, I never saw that. Here's one example, just a couple weeks ago. It was in the readings, that that Old Testament reading where um, those old men who are just terrible old men set up this whole scenario where they want to rape this guy's wife and then blame her for it and stone her for it. It's just horrific. Yes. Uh, And I've read that story many, many times. It comes up in the cycle of readings, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is disturbing. But there was one line in it. I was like, I never quite heard it this way before, but it says when they were filled with with lust, it says they refused to lift their eyes to heaven. Mm. I was like, ah, I see this in a new way. I've never seen it this way. They refused to lift their eyes 
to heaven. What is the theology of the body? It is recognizing that the human body is a sign that is meant to lift our eyes to heaven. Mm. And when we lust, we're refusing to let the body do that. Yeah. We are refusing to let the body lead us to heavenly mysteries, and we stop at the body itself. We don't, we don't see through it to the divine mystery. We stop at the body itself, and we say, I just want that for my own self. Um, it's a refusal of transcendence. It's a refusal of the theology of the body. I just want the here and now gratification that the body can offer me. They lusted after her, and they refused to lift their eyes to heaven. Anyway, I thought that was very helpful for understanding what lust is. So that's another angle in which I can address the question. But by now, I forgot the question. What is the question? Well, Am I it, even it, answering the question? I want to know. I'm just going to add to the question okay. because the, the person is asking oh, yeah. for uh, you to design a set of mass readings. I really want to know like yeah. some absolute favorites and you know what if it was for your funeral you know where oh. you know the, where you got to just kind of give your last here are the readings that like tell the story of my yes. life and theology <clears throat> of the body or something All right. like that's that that's great that's a great way to put it at my funeral um to tell the story i would want i would want oh, it's so hard to choose it is. But I would want, probably, the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. Mm -hmm. From? Genesis 2, that's verse 25. I would want that story of the man going into the deep sleep and the woman mm -hmm. coming from his side and the two of them being naked without shame. That's, yeah. as JP2 says, that is the key for understanding biblical anthropology. In other words, that's the key for understanding who we are as God created us to be. So, it's, I mean, I, I, if I have to choose, I have to choose that, because it's the key to the whole thing. Yeah. A psalm, uh, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord, mighty God. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of my favorites, uh, but I, I might have to have this one, and I, I'm not so good with the numbers of the psalms, I tend to forget them. But one thing I ask, this alone I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to see the beauty of the Lord and to contemplate the beauty of his temple. The whole of T.O.B. is right there. The whole of the beauty of the male body and the female body is right there. And mm -hmm. if you can't see it, we, we, we need those lenses. We need those TOB lenses. We need to have those lenses on when we are reading the Scripture. One thing I ask, this alone I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord. What is the house of the Lord? The ultimate house of the Lord is not a stone building that we call the temple. The temple, the dwelling place of the Lord in the Old Testament, is the foreshadowing of Mary's body. Mary's body has become the living temple. Her body has become the dwelling place of the Lord. The, the theology of a man's body reveals that God wants to enter his creation and dwell within it. 
And Mary's body, the theology of a woman's body, reveals that the creature desires to open to the Creator and have the Creator dwell within. Christ in me is the hope of glory. This is what we desire, to be filled with all the fullness of God, as St. Paul says. That is pregnant Mary, right? The fulfillment of that psalm, one thing I ask, this alone I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to ponder the beauty of the Lord and to ponder the beauty of His temple, right? The icon of that is pregnant Mary, and to be in the womb of Mary with Jesus, where I get to ponder the beauty of the Word made flesh, and I get to ponder the beauty of the temple in which the Word is made flesh. That's why I'm going with that psalm. I love it. Then uh, New Testament reading, it would have to be Ephesians 5, uh, 31 to 32, and you could add some other verses too, but it has to be that. JP2 calls this the summation of the entire Bible. It's the, the crown of, crowning theme of everything God, God wants to tell us in Scripture, JP2 says. And it's simply this, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery. I love the Greek, mega mysterion. <laughs> this is a mega mystery. And it refers to Christ in the church. Kaboom. There's the whole of the Bible in, in like a, a bullion cube, condensed version. So it'd have to be that. A New Testament reading, and then the Gospel reading, I think I'd have to go with, um, I think I'd have to go with, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, John chapter 1, because mm. that's the whole, that's the whole story, that's the whole story. God took flesh, God took flesh, Everything, everything, everything hinges on that. Thank you, God, for taking flesh. I love that. There you go. I, I was taking notes, folks. I just wanted to know what my <laughs> husband would say to that question. And I'll share with our listeners that, except for the gospel, those are the exact readings from our wedding. What? Yes. <laughs> really? Yep. Well, you, I, okay. <laughs> so it just shows like how important that, you know, yeah. those readings are. I Now that you say it, I remember the gospel was, uh, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And for this, uh, love one another as I have loved you so that my joy might be in you and yeah, your joy might be. That's, that's right. what it was. Mm -hmm. yeah, I do like that one too. <laughs> me too. That was beautiful. Thank you, my love. You're welcome. I hope that was a blessing to everybody out there. And I hope it encouraged you to to see scripture through these lenses. And mm -hmm. if you want to dive more into that, well, guess what? There's a book. There are three of them. We have a three-part series of small little books called Word Made Flesh. And what I did was I just went through all the Sunday readings through all three cycles. That's why there are three volumes, A, B, and C. And with TOB glasses on, I just reflected on the liturgical readings at Sunday Mass. And you can, it's a pocket-sized little book. You can take it with you to Mass. You can prepare for Mass. Uh, go it, read it before you go to Mass. You can read it after communion or in your prayers after Mass. Just to take the readings into your heart in this way that 
just allows the scripture allows the word to become flesh that's mm -hmm. the goal of it yeah and we'll have a link in the show notes hope that's helpful and i hope you were blessed today by what wendy and i shared i was really blessed by these questions today it was mm -hmm. it was fun yeah if you were blessed please hit that share button and help us to spread and grow our podcast family that would be awesome until next time know it it's the truth i know we say it like at the end of every podcast and i'm gets kind of self-conscious about it it just becomes a thing we do but no 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 these words are so important you are an indispensable gift like there you, you can't be thrown away you're there's no other you you're indispensable you're irreplaceable you're unrepeatable you're a gift you're a gift it's the truth it's the truth yes become what you are <laughs>